The peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. As the smell of bacon wafts in. (laughs) We're experimenting with church recruiting techniques. (laughs) Give yourself the gift of about three deep breaths, not only to anticipate the glorious meal that's being prepared, but to allow your senses to be gathered into the full awareness of the presence of the Spirit in this place. Friends, let us worship in spirit and truth. As you're able, rise uh, in body or spirit for the call to worship. I just I just read my bulletin here, uh, and it says that the that the lector is Jim Gibbs, uh, which reminded me that actually I signed up to be the lector today. Uh, so if I'm a, if I'm a little shaky, you know. Anyway. God has called you to this place. Let us gather in trust of that call. God is calling you to explore deeper waters. Let us explore in joyful curiosity. God will give us what we need. Let us set out in faith.
You may be seated. I want to welcome you here to worship today at Westminster, especially if you're visiting with us. We welcome you here. We invite you after worship into our Finley Hall. I usually say for coffee, tea, and some snacks, but today we invite you in for a brunch hosted by our high school youth in support of their summer mission trip. So let's join together now in the community prayer. It's printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. In this world, our attention is so easily divided, our lives so conveniently compartmentalized, and our allegiances so temptingly split. We seek a wholeness. We seek a unifying purpose. We seek to seek you with our whole heart. Forgive us for hedging our bets with our faith, or for fitting in our discipleship around other priorities and commitments. Give us the drive to follow you in all that we are and discover the joy that awaits. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, the gathering call of God is new every day. So let us go forward with eyes and ears and hearts open to the work of God in our world, knowing that we are forgiven, we are set free. Thanks be to God. Amen. So now I'd like to invite forward both our children who are worshiping with us today and those of you who are going to be participating on the Border Links trip, I invite you to come forward as well. So what we're going to do is our young folks, we're going to sit down here looking this way and our Border Links folks, come on up. You might have to leave a little path because there's going to be people coming up and I invite you to just sort of stand up here along the front. All right. Good stuff. So just like, maybe like make a line up right here so we can see you all. All right. Excellent. So who among you is wondering, why are these people standing up here in front of us? We don't usually do this. Well, this is a special group of people and we're going to be what's called commissioning them because next week they're going on a trip. They're going on a trip down to the border. They're going to be staying in Arizona and spending a day in Mexico. I'm going to say a little bit more about what they'll be doing. But basically, you know, every week you come up front and Rob or Jeff or I talks about how important it is to know that God loves us, how important it is to help others know how much God loves them, how important it is to care for our neighbors, to look out for one another. And it's great to sit here and learn those things and then maybe go out into your lives and try them. And those are the kinds of things that all of these folks are going to be doing next week. They're going to be learning all about how we might better care for our neighbors and look after one another and help each other out. 
So I'm going to tell everyone just a little bit more about what they're going to be doing. So we have most of them here today. There's going to be 15 total in the delegation, some from Westminster, some from other faith communities, some just from the general Marin community. They'll be learning about current immigration issues, building relationships with those in nonprofits who are helping individuals and families impacted by dangerous conditions in Central American countries. The host organization that will be helping them is Borderlinks. Borderlinks actually began with the help of Presbyterians in the mid-80s as migrants escaped civil wars. So some of the things they'll be doing next week, walking the desert, visiting the border fence and shelters, observing immigration court proceedings, hearing from those impacted by current issues. And then they're going to come back and they're going to Show us, teach us all that they have learned. So in commissioning, what we do is we send them off with our prayers and our love. But it's not just something we do this morning. When we send them off with our prayers, what we mean is next week we really are going to pray for them as they are on their trip learning and serving in Arizona and Mexico. So mission team members, I have a couple of questions for you as we commission you. First, Jesus reminds us that we are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, we are encouraged to let our light shine before all. So mission team members, are you ready and willing to let your lights shine as you go out to learn and grow? If so, please respond, I am. And while on this trip, will you accept God's call to serve and learn with energy, creativity, openness, grace, and love? If so, please respond, I will. All right, and now a question for all of you and all of you. Will we support these servants of God and will we pray for them as they represent us next week? If so, please respond, we will. Okay, now we're going to pray for them, but what I would like us to do, it's, it's called laying on of hands. So basically, I'm going to invite all of you to come and come up and find like maybe a shoulder or an arm or a hand. My hands are cold. I apologize. Okay, and while we pray so they can feel your love and your prayers. All right, so stand up, find one of these folks. I'm going to stand right here by Carlos and put an arm, my hand on his arm. Can each of you find someone? And if you can't reach someone, we can make a chain. You can put a hand on me and I'll put a hand on him. All right, we got it? All right. All right. So we're all interconnected here as we pray. Let us pray. Guiding and loving God, empower these mission team members to be your hands and feet. Make them witnesses of your great love for all of your beloved children. Protect them, teach them, support them as they take this next step in their own journey to become the servant people you call them to be. Fill them with the Spirit. Enable them to do their tasks faithfully and joyfully. Bring them safely home. And then let their, let their experiences further enrich us so that we too may follow your call to care for our community. Amen. We will be praying for you next week and look forward to hearing about all that you learn. And kids, it's time to head out to Sunday school.
Go now in peace, go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. Amen. Now is the time in our worship service where we share our joys and our concerns with each other, share our prayers for ourselves, our loved ones, for the world. So if you have something to share with us, I invite you just to raise your hand and to let us know. Yeah, Ron. Amen. Well, welcome. It's good to have you with us. <laughs> Barb, yes. Couldn't hear Barb Jane Hunnicky is one of the uh, uh, participants on the Borderlinks trip, is here to be commissioned, and we welcome you back to Westminster. As we're welcoming people back to Westminster, I also want to welcome back John and Jan Reynolds, members of Westminster for a long time. Then Jan became a pastor, has been serving at First Presbyterian San Rafael for many years, recently retired, and it's wonderful to have you guys back worshiping with us today. So, welcome back. Yeah. Kyle. All right, a joy. Oh. A joy that Grandpa's coming to visit on Wednesday. Absolutely. Yeah, Denny. That's wonderful. Yeah, so a granddaughter who lives in Spain just recently announced their engage her engagement. All right. Congratulations. Yeah, Pat. Hmm. So prayers for Langston Harris, a husband of a very good friend who died last night. Yeah, Clark. Amen. 
So remembering Michael Peterson, who sang in our choir very regularly, uh, died a little while ago. His service is going to be on February 23rd. Yeah. Yeah, Catherine. Absolutely. Prayers for Archibald family, her son's uncle who died yesterday from cancer. Sandy. Absolutely. Yeah. Continuing prayers for Peter Wirtz undergoing cancer treatment and Marilyn as she supports him. Did I see some? Yeah. So Jackie, who's currently hospitalized, very ill, and they're really trying to figure out, it sounds like, what's going on. Prayers for her and her family, yes. Yeah, Marcia. Absolutely. Prayers for Marsha's mom, who had a very serious stroke last week. Bruce. Yeah, Bruce Absolutely. Kathy Oliver, a longtime church member, her uh, 30-year-old son died unexpectedly last week. So prayers for Kathy and her family. Yes. Anyone else? All right, let's have a few moments of quiet. Oh, wait. Over here, Dominic. dear but he's been injured he's been injured oh dear okay so prayers for dominic's dad david member of the church uh, got injured while skiing something with the neck but is having trouble getting to the hospital because of all the snow oh my goodness prayers for him and for you all as well all right well let's have a few moments of quiet and then i'll lead us in the lord's prayer so let us be in prayer together Holy One, you are ready to meet us wherever we are in our lives, offering vision and hope where we may least expect it. And as you have gathered us in during this time of worship this morning, may we be filled anew with your grace. And hear us now, O God, as together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art Deliver us from evil. 
So the first reading is uh, from Psalm 138, uh, 1 and 2. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted your name and your word 
above everything. Holy wisdom, holy word, thanks be to God. The second reading comes from Luke's Gospel, the fifth chapter, the first 11 verses. Listen for what the Spirit is continuing to say to the gathered people of God this morning. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. A number of us were at the Presbytery a week ago yesterday, Presbytery meeting, a regional gathering of the church that happens three times a year. And in the opening worship, we were treated to a retelling of the creation story, Genesis, as told in the children's book, Big Mama Makes the World. On a day that was devoted in large part to the Christian mandate to live more sustainably on the earth, it was a fitting inclusion of the divine feminine, even as playful as it was, God being portrayed not as father, but as big mama. Her warm embrace and creative spirit. Such a simple shift in the image for the divine can be quite helpful for people, opening up what they understand or think they understand about God, and by extension, how they understand their own calling in God's world. Father or mother, take your pick. One of the books that just flew off the shelves a number of years ago was called The Shack. I don't know how many of you read that. Uh, it was enormously popular, and not just in Christian circles, but in the secular world as well. And part of what was captivating for people was the different way in which it spoke about God. Now, it's by no means a perfect book. I had some real theological struggles with how it treated the subject matter of abuse, for example. But it's undeniable 
how it really captured a lot of people. And in particular, the way it gave a, an alternative reading of the Trinity. And I'll just leave it at that. So if you want to check it out, it'll be a nice surprise for you. If as Christians, we take seriously this mystery that in Jesus, we somehow glimpse God. We glimpse not only the one of heaven, but the way of heaven. And we should pay attention to the way Jesus presents himself and the images that he lifts up as worth attending to. Jesus doesn't come to the world as a conquering warrior or commander. At every turn, he resists the title that those others want to impose on him, notably his friends and his enemies, that of king. He wants no part of that. And when he encounters two fishermen today, he doesn't castigate what they do for a living. Rather, he draws a deeper vocation out of their work. He says, don't be afraid. Soon you're going to be catching people. It's a glorious image, early image for the work of God. I wonder if that's why the fish became the symbol. It's not why, but it certainly fits it's an image maybe we don't think about enough, this notion of holy work being casting nets and gathering in. Now, don't be too literal with the metaphor and take it too far. The goal is not to cast and then eat the people you catch. I mean, there's this <laughs> literalism has its limits, lots of them. But it is a wonderful image, a poetic image, casting the net, pulling in, gathering in the lost and the forsaken. It's a stark image, maybe even more so for our context today, when we're taught from the youngest of ages, what? How to distinguish yourself. How to excel beyond, how to stand out. That's the goal, right? Rituals of separation from the youngest of ages. And Jesus says, oh no, the work is gathering in. Gathering in. And time and again, Episode after episode of Jesus' life, that's what you see him doing. Touching the untouchable. Healing those whose illness has made them excluded from the community. Commingling with those who are hated, often hated with good reason. Constantly reeling those in, pushed away by society, including those whose own choices have pushed themselves away. Constantly casting the net and pulling them in. It's really a remarkable image for us to consider. You know, the primary role of his healings, we often think, is to fix some ailment, blindness, or lameness in their words. And the secondary benefit is that it restores the person to the community, which is the seat of safety, of salvation, of well-being. But actually, the secondary benefit is really the primary benefit, the restoration to the community. That's holy work, restorative work. I attended a parenting workshop. I know it's shocking you think that I might need that. <laughs> I, the, the teacher recommended a semester-long course. I'm not sure what that was about. <laughs> Thought I was a good student. Uh, but it was all grounded in restorative practices. This is a woman who, in 
prisons, in schools, and in families has been working with this notion of restorative justice and restorative practices of discipline. So trying to shift people from the binary thinking of crime and punishment, good guys and bad guys, victims and perpetrators, black and white notions of right and wrong that separates people into categories into a way of thinking that doesn't dismiss people who have done wrongdoing nor the hurts of people who have suffered, but actually takes them even maybe more seriously and engages the entire community in reflecting on the, the cost of certain actions and the entire community, whether a, a family or a prison system or a society, in correcting the injustice and taking steps to prevent it in the future. And at one moment in this course, we watched this video of a Baltimore public school, a young elementary school classroom, going through a circle process in which they were trying to uh, do some restorative work over a really traumatic incident that had taken place in their classroom. It was a glitter war. And just serious when you're a second grader, right? <laughs> Glue and glitter bits everywhere. But the kids were shaken up about this because it led to a big fight and people got in trouble or everything had to stop. And you could watch as the children in a circle, one at a time, could share about how they were hurt by what had happened, were harmfully affected, and could share how they contributed to what had gone on. That's pretty remarkable in second and third graders. And what's more remarkable is often kids shared both. They were able to share both how they contributed to the problem and how they were hurt by it. And often those who had been sort of significant uh, perpetrators of the act, even if they weren't hurt by that moment, they were able to speak out of the the pain in so many words that had caused them. They'd been angry about something else. They were frustrated about something. They were sad. Maybe something going on at home had led them to that action. So they got to name their pain too. And others got to see it. And then the room as a whole got to decide together, well, how do we fix this? How do we heal what's been done, the hurt, and how can we take steps as a community to see that we do better next time? Second or third graders. Rather than singling out the bad ones and the good ones, restoring the whole and seeing that as everybody's project. Casting the net and gathering everybody back in. Fragmentation is everywhere, whether it's a second or third grade classroom or a family or a community or a country or a world. We experience that socially all the time. We also experience it personally psychologically or spiritually, emotionally. Fragmentation is part of what it means to live in the modern world. And strangely, sometimes we turn to it and choose it as a coping mechanism because we think it will help us get what we want. We call it compartmentalization. But it can become worse than that and more harmful. Sometimes a really overt example helps. So uh, you may know... uh, If you're a sports fan, the general manager of the professional basketball team, Philadelphia 76ers, got himself into some trouble a couple of years ago. His name is Brian Colangelo, and if you're a basketball fan, the Colangelo family has some royalty to it. It's a multi-generation basketball family. So you'd think that would come with some security attached, but apparently not for 
Colangelo. As general manager, one of the things he did was set up a bunch of, of anonymous social media accounts through which he would criticize his players while publicly maintaining a good and supportive face, right? You can imagine how that went when it broke in the locker room, right? Enormous organizational strife. Morale went through the floor. People didn't want to play for him. They didn't respect him, and he was fired. I mean, you couldn't do anything else. Think how often we turn to these kinds of mechanisms. The notion of setting up burner accounts is now commonplace. You set up other email addresses or social media uh, identities so you can do things you wouldn't otherwise do, whether it's something at work or being an online troll, saying things that are provocative or offensive just to get a rise out of people. Setting up other accounts so you can carry on illicit romantic relationships and keep it secret from other places and other people. What does that do to the whole self? That kind of inner fragmentation and what does it do to the community, however narrowly or widely you want to define the community. Thomas Aquinas said, we worship God with every cell in our being. You heard it in the psalm too, God with our whole heart, not part which is to say every cell, every piece of us is to be unified and oriented in one unified purpose and direction. And to pull it apart is to destroy it. (coughs) That act of casting the net and gathering back in. Who is Christ? But the one who shows us how to throw the net and how to gather How have we considered that as our vocation with whatever gifts we've been given? Today, you you get two opportunities to consider how that's happening in the life of this church. You've already blessed this wonderful delegation of people who are going to go to the U.S.-Mexico border to encounter firsthand some of what's happening there, to learn about some of those who've been displaced and dispersed from their homeland who are in desperate need of some gathering, somewhere, somehow, At the end of this service, you'll hear from Jeff, our youth director, about a wonderful opportunity you'll have to be a gatherer in this congregation with young people, inviting them into your own home for a camp-in weekend, and he'll tell you more about that. But young people who are so cast adrift often by our society, so invited to be fragmented, you can be a gatherer in their life right here in a couple months' time. Well, maybe that sounds like a lot to you, depending on where you are in your life and what's happening, and that's okay too. Maybe you are simply one in need of being caught in the net and being pulled in. Maybe that's why you're here this morning, or maybe that's why you were here the first morning you came, whenever that morning was. If so, just rest in that safety net. Take heart in that image God constantly pulling you in. The experience of going out and gathering is often grounded in a fundamental experience of having been gathered. Mike McHarg is known as Science Mike on the internet, and he wrote a wonderful book called Finding God in the Waves. 
It's really a story about how he lost his faith and perhaps regained it, but if so, in a very different way. And recently I heard an interview with him in which he expounds upon a particularly critical moment in that loss of faith journey. He had grown up in a fundamentalist, evangelical Christian uh, milieu, household, church, and everything, and embraced it wholeheartedly. But over time, and yet also all of a sudden, it all fell apart for him. His embrace of science, and uh, science on really a, a deep level, troubled the way he'd been taught to read the scriptures, troubled his understanding of what the Christian life was about, even fundamentally questioned the existence of God for him until finally it could just no longer hold. And so he came out, so to speak, of one circle at a time, first with his spouse, who was devastated by that news. I mean, he promised to keep it a secret from his children and still teach Sunday school, even though he didn't believe it. And then to his church, from which he understandably became estranged, maybe not so understandably. And finally, wider and wider. And at one point, he found himself at a conference uh, being keynoted by a a well-known Christian speaker named Rob Bell. Perhaps you're familiar with him. And at one point, there was a Q&A session, and he decided that was his moment. And so he got up there, raised his hand, and rather than asking a question, he just dumped it all out, laid it all out for everybody. His background, what he'd been through, and how he just couldn't believe any of it anymore. It just went on and on. And he was received in grace, thankfully. Bell didn't make any attempt to move him from his position or talk him out or in to anything. Not long after that, it was time for communion. And he wanted to have no part of that didn't make sense to him anymore. He said, I was determined, as he recounts this moment, not to be the guy who publicly lost his faith and then in an emotive moment in front of everybody at a Christian conference finds it back and becomes the hero as everybody weeps. He said, I will not be that guy. And then he finds himself walking forward for communion and sees in Rob Bell's eyes redness and some tears and Bell says, this is the body of Christ. And McCarg later found out that he too had tears coming off his face. But in that moment, he said in his, inside his mind, I'm not going to take this. Because that would be a lie to all these people. Because Jesus is nothing but a rabbi who's been trumped up through a long game of telephone and mythology. And I don't accept it. And so he turned away. And that's when it happened. Something that he describes as insane. He's something he says undermines his entire credibility as an atheist. <laughs> he says, but I have to tell it because it happened. As he turned away, he heard audibly in his ear, I was there when you were eight. I'm here now. I was here when you were eight. And I'm here now. Sometimes we go out looking for God. And sometimes God goes out and finds us. And when you've been gathered, 
once, twice, maybe it takes 10 times, it becomes exceedingly clear what your vocation is. Amen.
are gathered here. I love having been gathered here. We pray that you will give us the guidance to take these gifts to go gather some more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. I want to let you know about just a few things coming up after worship today. We've mentioned we have a pancake brunch happening uh, from our high school youth. It is free. However, if you feel moved to donate to their mission trip this summer, they will certainly gladly take your donations. Um, and then at about 11.20, so get some food and then join me in the library if you're interested in our new member orientation class. If you're new to Westminster, want to learn a little bit more about Westminster, uh, come join me and we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this church and this community. And then at 11.30, after you have dined on your pancakes, here in the sanctuary, Rob continues his class. It's a Bible study called What Does the Bible Say About Migrants? It started last week, but even if you didn't come last week, you're certainly invited to come today. That's at 11.30. And then uh, Jeff is here to tell us a little bit more about a weekend coming up in May. Thank you. And I know Bethany said if you feel so led to give, but I know your hearts, you feel very <laughs> led to give when it comes to pancakes and our young people. Um, we have a separate weekend in May that I want to talk to you about. I want you to think about maybe that special table you had at home, that dining table that you shared so many meals over, maybe lasted through generations, and then the wear and tear over years took its toll on that table. Maybe you etched your name in there with a knife, uh, or you, not that I would know what that's like. <laughs> or So eventually someone said, this table's just got to go. We got to find a new place for it. We got to find something to do with it. But someone said, no, this table means something, and it has special meaning to us. So they took it, and they repurposed it, they reclaimed it, and it became a shelf, or it became a closet, a uh, piece of a closet, came another chair, or became another table that then carried on new memories. The same thing happens to our youth. Many of you here and know about the summer camps. Many of you experience summer camps or mission trips as a teenager, and you know how impactful they are on our lives, but unfortunately... Those deep connections we create with God in those moments, they start to wear down over the school year, over the wear and tear of school and sports and clubs and family time. It eventually wears that, those connections down. And we just recognize that giving our students one week of summer is not good enough. Like, that's just, we can do better than that as a church. So we started a weekend, the first weekend in May. It's called the Reclaim Weekend where it's essentially like having camp and a mission trip here for the weekend. Our students will come here Friday evening. All the things that make camp great, the big games, we have a, an all youth groups of Marin, Nerf War happening, uh, exceptional speakers, special worship, big games, and service projects that will take place on Saturday afternoon will all happen here at the church or here in Marin. But where you come in, and what we would love it if you would consider, is hosting a group of teenagers and one or two adult leaders in your home. So our students will not be sleeping here. We're asking for host homes, like I said, to take four to eight teenagers and one or two adult leaders. And where your home becomes basically the cabin for our camp. And it's a great opportunity for you if you aren't feeling like, I want to be a leader, that's not my thing, but I want to contribute, I want to see what's happening in the youth ministry uh, this is a great opportunity for you to meet and get to know the extraordinary young people that we work with here 
And also you have a bright light in your own life and in your own home. And it behooves us in our youth ministry to have our students see and experience that, life in your, that light in your home. So you are helping us meet a vital need. In your home is where conversations about life, about things that we're learning take place without the distractions of home or without the distractions, all the other distractions that take place. It can happen in your home. So you're creating a, a, you're meeting a great need for us. Secondly, we would have breakfast at your place a couple times. You may be thinking, well, I don't have beds for eight people. None of you own a dormitory that I'm aware of, so we don't (laughs) assume any of you have eight beds. If you have some combination of beds, couches, floor space for that many people, then your home qualifies as a host home. Uh, So as long as our students can sleep there, take a shower, uh, they do smell sometimes, take a shower, and we, will, we have put it into our schedule to clean up after ourselves before we leave as well. We want this to be a great experience for you as well. So that weekend is the first weekend in May. And you may be saying, gosh, that sounds great. I'd love to be even more of a part of it. There are two separate flyers on the table in the narthex. So please note that they are two different ones. They look the same. One is if you're interested in being a host home, please contact me. My contact info is at the bottom, and it has a little more information about that. If you want to be, a, if you're interested, and not even if you want to, if you're curious about being a small group leader, uh, that information is here as well for you to do that. So thank you for your time, and I hope you'll consider hosting a group of us for the weekend. And as I said, we'll give you everything that you need and all the support you need. And I hope you're getting hungry because our students have been working very hard <laughs> to make pancakes. So we get back to work. Thank you. Jeff, did you have something you wanted to show us? The other Jeff. That is a yeah. All right. I invite you to stand as you are comfortable for hymn number seven two one. You are invited to sing either in English or in Spanish.
As the Pentecost story reminds us, when the Spirit is present, we will speak in other languages, and yet we will understand one another. So now as we go from this place, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Big Mama of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day, be with you every day. Amen. Amen.